what role does a board, whether it's in a for-profit or a non-profit company, play in a you know TL quote unquote organization? And um, you know, and, and and how do you help the board go from you know being a traditional board to the kind of board you'd want uh, along on that journey? Um, the, you know, the boards and organizations hold real power, so this is a really important question. Um, and yet, I have a sense that we're we're still very much learning about this. Um, at least I am. I know that I've only had a few conversations around this, and maybe in one or two years, you know, I could say more in the video. Um, but I'll share already uh, what I've learned to date. And if you know more about the subject, then please, you know, um, add to the conversation in the in the comments below this uh, this video. Um, so I know that some organizations, when they transition, uh, struggle with you know, a board that might be looking at things from a traditional perspective. Um, I'll always remember the story of Jos de Bloch at Bürtzorg, who um, in the beginning had a board where he picked people mostly based on, you know, their area of expertise. You know, he wanted somebody um, with financial expertise and somebody, you know, with connections in the health world of healthcare and politics. And, and so, you know, that's how he, he chose the different people. Um, and then he realized that they didn't understand his his perspective at all, and so they kept asking him for plans and projections and all sorts of things that Birdsark simply doesn't do. Um, and so it it became almost a job to you know handle the board, and um, and he managed you know slowly over time you know to just you know change one board member after another um, until he now has a board that he you know that that really supports him. Um, and so you know, that's likely to be one journey that you're on, is to try and see if you can gently you know, replace uh, the members who wouldn't be aligned with this, this new vision. Um, I know of another board uh, where you know, the publicly listed firm and people on the board don't get it. And you know, because the results are good and you know, everything is going well, you know, they keep them sort of happy and they when they ask for some plans and projections and budgets, they make up something and give it to them. It doesn't sound like a very um, optimal solution, but but it is a, you know never a solution. Is that you just go ahead, you know, more or less under the radar screen, um, and you know try to just keep the board happy with uh, with great results. Um, you know, I, I believe there's a real risk in there. Certainly, you know, if you'll start to do some very visible things like. You know, shaking up the hierarchy, um, that the board very quickly might become nervous, and so I, I, I feel that that's not a very sustainable uh, long-term solution. Um, so, yeah, so one thing that's definitely critical is, you know, over the long term, is to have board members who get this, who get, you know, the kind of organization that you want to build, and who are supportive of that. Um, and then that's being said, I, I want to focus on two existing roles of boards and two possibly new roles um, that boards could play in a in a TL organization. So the first you know, major existing role of boards is to um, provide oversight and control, right? There's you know there's even sort of a legal duty um, that different board members have to do that. And um, I think it's critical to understand that. As part of that role, and with all the legal implications of that role, it's natural that board members want to know what's happening, want to have reassurance that everything is going well, that things are that things are under control. 
And that creates an interesting question is, you know, how can they have that reassurance? How can they have that control without exercising control in the old way? Um, you know, by asking, you know, for all sorts of plans and projections and reports and um, that would just create extra work but aren't aligned with your way of working. And um, one thing that seems clear to me is that a lot of these reports and, and indicators and, and, and plans and projection only provide a sort of illusion of control, right? I mean, look at, you know, all the large organizations who've suddenly gone bankrupt or with like massive cases of fraud, you know, the Enrons of this world. You know, the board was provided with all sorts of documents and, and reports and figures and stuff. And, you know, that didn't prevent them from not seeing the actual underlying reality. And, and so the traditional perspective then goes, okay, then we need more numbers and more reports. Um, and I, I believe that that is just an illusion of control. Um, what a lot of these reports and figures numbers do is that they create sort of a layer of abstraction. So actually then engaging and seeing the organization as it really is, you know, you're actually looking at these, you know, numbers and reports. Um, and so you're not actually seeing what's, what's really happening. And again, don't, let's not take that too far, you know, having summaries, having numbers, having indicators is absolutely valuable, um, but only having them and believing that that is the reality um, is an illusion. And so I don't know what it might look like for your specific case, but I think that there's real value in having a beautiful conversation, um, you know, you and other people in the organization with members of the board and having this very open conversation of, you know, how can we create the best setup for you to be able to exercise that oversight and control and to, if needed to, um, you know, shine a light on things that we maybe don't see. Um, and how can we do that in ways where you have real oversight and real, you know, control rather than just an illusion of control based on these reports? And whatever it is for you, my sense is that it requires a real engagement, a real sort of participation in the organization, which might require more time from board members. So rather than the traditional model where, you know, you do your work and then at some point you prepare stuff that then goes to the board, um, you actually invite them into your reality. Right? Um, one beautiful, obvious way to do that is with the advice process, right? That's how AES used to do it in the days of Dennis Backey. Um, you know, often you choose board members because you feel that they have specific areas of expertise where they can help you. You know, they have legal expertise or financial expertise or they know the market really well or whatever, whatever it is. And so one thing you can set up is rather than just interact with board members on these, you know, formal occasions, is that team members, you know, when they ask for advice for important decisions, don't ask only inside the organization, but also ask for advice with board members. And that is a fantastic way for board members to feel involved, to actually have a sense of what's going on, to be, you know, involved right in that decision making. With again this notion that, you know, it's the advice process, so they can propose, you know, advice and, you know, of course they have voice carry some weight based on their position in the board, um, but it's just advice. But that's a wonderful way to involve them. Um, and there's all sorts of other ways you can involve them. You know, maybe you're rethinking a new practice or you're rethinking, you know, the way you do indicators. Well, invite them into that workshop where these things are discussed. You know, do you do an offsite to listen to the purpose of the organization? Well, maybe you invite them rather than just present the outcome at the end. 
But so that's a fascinating question to explore with them is how can we satisfy uh, your need to provide us with oversight and, and control? Um, a second existing uh, role of the board that could change quite drastically is that traditionally, you know, boards are the ones that appoint the CEO. Right? And, and that's a very critical role, right? We, you know, we'll talk about CEO succession, but of course, you know, we've, we've seen this. There are some organizations who've completely reinvented themselves. You know, they work in fantastic ways only for, you know, when it's time to replace the CEO, the board to choose somebody traditional and the organization goes back into old ways. Um, so how could the board play that legal role that they have to play um, in a way that's congruent with how you want to run the organization? Um, well, rather than them picking the CEO um, and so really sort of imposing a CEO onto the organization, what they could do is that they could create the process in which you know, the CEO sort of emerges. And you know, I've been talking about CEO here, and I want to stop right there because um, you might have seen this other video where I talk about the roles of the CEO, and I urge people to no longer look at the role of CEO like any other role in the organization, no longer as one role, as one, you know, with one title, with one box, but to start talking about the granular roles in there. And so that's something the board could do, is to say, okay, so this person's leaving. What were the roles they played you know, that you know, could be traditionally attributed to CEOs? And you know, who could play these roles in the future? Right? You know, some roles might be to be sort of you know, a really strong sensor of the purpose of the organization. Right? Um, in this other video, I talked about it as the source. Um, another role is to hold the space for this new way of operating. Right? and constantly remind people of, no, no, hey, we don't do it in the old way. We Remember, we do it in this way. Um, another role um, might be to be the outside face of the organization, etc., etc. And so how could the board help, you know, people, the, the right people get, you know, get these roles in the organization? Um, the first thing is by really talking about these roles and really clarifying that this is no longer a game for power, right? In traditional organization, when the CEO goes, a lot of people want to be the next CEO and, are, you know. Um, so here the board could play an important role by saying, no, no, we're not filling this next position of CEO where everybody has to battle to be. You know, we're just filling these roles. And they're just one among many roles that you'll hold. And the question is really, you know, who naturally emerges? Who does the organization, you know, naturally want to see in that role. And so there's no jostling needed for this. Um, and one way to do that is with the process of candidate list election, um, you know, that was developed in, in sociocracy and it's used in, in holacracy. And so it's something you can Google. Um, and the, the basic notion is that there's no candidates and that you ask, you know, everyone in the organization or, you know, at least people who are close enough and who know the people who would be natural candidates to that role, um, to simply submit the person that they feel would most naturally hold that role and why they believe that's the case. And then you look at all of that that emerges and very often that's all that is needed. You know, there's just one name that emerges naturally for being the next source and there's one name that emerges naturally for being the outside face of the organization, one name that emerges naturally for holding the space of how we do things. I, I read at W.L. Gore uh, when they chose um, Terry Kelly as their CEO a number of years ago. 
uh, use a similar process. And, and now, recently, they appointed a new CEO. I wonder if they've used that, that kind of process again. But it was the board who just asked very largely inside the organization, you know, who would you see as your next CEO? So they still had this you know, one title, which I would you know, urge you to step away from. But, but they did that sort of um, role where they didn't appoint it, but just facilitated that, that process. So then let's talk about two you know, possibly new roles that I see. Um, one new role that I could see for the, for, the, um, for the board is to create spaces to have deep, personal, profound conversations with people holding you know, the, most, the broadest, broadest role in the organization, right? So you know, people like you know, holding CEO-type roles. Um, and, and just other leaders in the organization and having very personal deep conversation about where are you at? Are you still having fun? Are you still learning? Um, you know, what could be a next stretch for you? Um, how could you be more closely aligned, you know, between your personal purpose and the purpose of, of the organization? Um, I believe we all need those kind of spaces and despite everything that we try um, these might not be spaces that occur naturally, certainly for the more senior people in the, in the organization. You know, more junior people might not necessarily feel comfortable or equipped to have that kind of profound conversations with leader organizations. And, and so that could be a natural and beautiful role that the board plays, um, sort of a, a place for real profound check-ins and, um, and projections for uh, for the top leaders in the in the organizations, um, and and then lastly, I could think of another role, um, which is to bring more of the outside world and outside perspectives um, into the into the organization. Um, I remember discussing this with a, a friend who is leading a large network of Montessori schools, and he was asking me about the board, and I think. I thought, like, I would definitely go and look for, you know, who are people on the board uh, that could really provide me with perspectives outside of what's happening in the Montessori world that could challenge us in our Montessori thinking, push us to our next level. You know, who are people in democratic schools or who are neuroscientists or who are, you know, just people who, you know, their role is not so much to exercise oversight and control, but to really stimulate new ideas. And, and maybe it's not exactly the board. Maybe you... You know, call it somewhat differently, um, but I feel that that is an, an interesting role. There could be somebody in the board that makes you do learning journeys um, to stimulate your new thinking. Um, there could be somebody in your board, you know, who's deeply um, into nonviolent communication, or deeply into appreciative inquiry, um, or deeply into Otto Schammer's theory. You and could you know constantly you know help infuse those perspectives in the organization or you know could organize a whole you know theory you journey with with the organization um, so that's a another role that i i could see um, people in the board playing you, you could have it as a separate entity um, you know sort of like you know the stimulating board or something um, but i i feel that there there might be value in actually bringing this into you know into the the same board that you know tries to exercise um, oversight and, 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 and control for, for the organization. So that's my perspective so far on this topic. And again, if you have something to contribute uh, on this, you know, please do so 
below here in the comments. Perhaps you've noticed there is no paywall, no monthly membership to access this video series. That's because the videos live in the gift economy. This is how it works. I gift everything that goes into making the videos, my time, energy, and insights, and you get to choose what feels right to gift back. Please take a moment to reflect on what would feel good to give in return to help me continue doing this work. Thank you.